Welcome to Hope for Today, a weekly Bible teaching program that will bring you hope for every day. It is good to be with you this week. Thanks so much for joining us on Hope for Today. There is absolutely no other book like the Bible, and we believe every part of the Bible is beneficial for us. As you know, we are studying in the book of Exodus, but this is not the only book of the Bible we do teaching from. Here's a testimony from Macedonia, and at the time, we were airing our teaching from one of the Gospels. I listen to Radio 7 daily because it is different from all the other radio stations in our country. The music and the radio programs give me a lot of inner peace and have helped me practically with a few relationship problems. I want to thank you for the program, Heralds of Hope. I am a Russian Orthodox believer, and though I always had a Bible in my home, I never opened it. I always was told that only the priests can understand the Bible, and we do what we are told. Through the program, Heralds of Hope, I was encouraged to read the Bible myself for the first time. This radio program has helped me a lot to understand the Gospels. I like that the teacher studies every chapter of the gospel. Nothing is left out. I never thought that the gospels had so much teaching about everyday life. I have learned from the program how to forgive others, and since then, my relationships have improved greatly. Isn't this an amazing testimony? Notice how the listener was impacted when they read the Bible on their own. Have you had an experience like this with God's Word? I have, and those who are involved with Heralds of Hope have also experienced the life in this wonderful book. This is the life and hope we share with you. With that introduction, let's go with Bible teacher J. Mark Horst to the Old Testament book of Exodus. If you can, follow along in your Bible and get ready to see God and be changed by him. Most of the religions in the world practice some form of prayer. Do you think there is value in prayer? What's the point of praying to a God whom you can't see? It all depends to whom you pray. The eternal creator God of the Bible promises to answer our prayers. I have prayed to him and I have received direct answers to my prayers. If you pray to a different God, then let me ask you this question. Does he or she answer your prayers? Sometimes in life we get discouraged and we reach out for help to someone who will pray for us. I'm so thankful that my mother prayed for me as long as she lived. She went to be with the Lord back in the year 2009. And then the Lord raised up another dear elderly lady who volunteered to take her place. And she prayed for me, as far as I know, as long as she lived. Praise the Lord. Many other dear believers pray for me, and for that I'm very grateful. Who prays for you? In Exodus chapter 29 and verses 1 through 9, the question was, who will pray for us? So God instructed Moses how to take care of this need for his people. So listen as I read that text, Exodus chapter 29, and beginning with verse 1. And this is the thing that you shall do unto them, to minister unto me in the priest's office, 
Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, and cakes unleavened, tempered with oil, and wafers unleavened, anointed with oil. Of wheat flour you shall make them, and you shall put them into one basket, and bring them in the basket with the bullock and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons you shall bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and you shall wash them with water. And you shall take the garments, and put upon Aaron the coat, and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod, and the breastplate, and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall put the turban on his head, and put the holy crown upon the turban. Then you shall take the anointing oil, and pour it upon his head, and anoint him. And you shall bring his sons, and put coats on them. And you shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put the caps on them. And the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statute, and you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. Now, in Israel's worship, God chose the family of Aaron to be the priests who would pray for the people. And so God gave Moses several directives for his choice. The first directive was the preparation. The Lord told Moses to take his brother Aaron's family and to hallow them to minister unto the Lord in the priest's office. To hallow means to make them holy, to set them apart for a holy work. In the process of preparation, Moses was to offer a bullock and two young rams. When these were sacrificed, Aaron and his sons would lay their hands on these animals, signifying that these animals were taking their place. So it was a blood sacrifice. The animal's blood was substitution for their blood, which would have been shed because sin brings death. And Aaron and his sons were sinners. They needed an atonement. So in this way, Aaron and his sons were consecrated, they were set apart, and they were prepared to be ministers unto the Lord. And then the bread they ate with the sacrifice was to be made without leaven. It was unleavened cakes or wafers. And most often, leaven is a type of sin in the Bible. So this bread was supposed to be unleavened. It symbolized the fact that Aaron and his sons were cleansed from sin and they were now able to stand before God as holy men. Who will pray for us? The psalmist said, He who has clean hands and a pure heart. So this was the preparation commanded by God for the consecration of the priests. And by this, Moses set apart Aaron and his sons for the priesthood to stand in the place of prayer or in the place of intercession. And then the next directive was the presentation. God then told Moses to take Aaron and his sons, bring them to the door of the tabernacle, and there he was to wash them with water. Now this cleansing was a very important part of the consecration of these men to stand as priests or representatives for the people. After the washing, then they were to be clothed with special garments, special clothing. Moses was instructed to clothe Aaron with the coat, the robe of the ephod, the ephod, the breastplate, and the sash or belt. Exodus chapter 28 gives us a description of each of these beautiful garments. The ephod was like a vest of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet. And there were two onyx stones that were placed on the shoulders with the names of the twelve tribes of Israel engraved on those two onyx stones. 
And then the breastplate over the ephod had four rows of three stones, again making twelve, all of them precious. They were to symbolize the twelve tribes of Israel. And then the mitre, or turban, that Aaron was to wear on his head had engraved in it holiness to the Lord. In the presentation of Aaron and his sons to serve in the office of priest, Moses anointed them with oil. God said, Then you shall take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. So there was a presentation of these men who were to minister in the priesthood. All of God's commands were carefully carried out with the cleansing and the clothing, and both of them are very important. Please remember that the cleansing needs to come first before the clothing can be put on. I believe it must have been a beautiful sight to see Aaron dressed in the holy garments of his office. He was then to serve as one who would pray or intercede for the people of Israel as their high priest. And then the final directive was the preservation. So there was the preparation, the presentation, and now the preservation. God planned that Aaron's sons would succeed him. They were to share with him in this office of the priesthood. They were to be the ones who would then minister after Aaron died. So they were consecrated, or they were presented at the same time as Aaron was. They were separated or set apart for this particular office and this particular ministry. So God instructed Moses to bring them and put coats on them and clothe them with sashes and prepare them for the same kind of service that their father Aaron was going to engage in. This was the office of the priest. Now the choice of Aaron's family was a never-ending statute, or we might say command. In other words, no other families, only this one. God had chosen to be the holy family to pray and intercede for the people. It must be clear that it was necessary to have a holy family to pray, to intercede for God's people. So God chose Aaron's family to be his priest. Today, their work is finished. They are not functioning as priests anymore. So who will pray for us now? The psalmist David tells us in the 110th Psalm, speaking of Jesus the Messiah, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And then David predicted that there would be another priest of another order besides the order of Aaron's family. And we understand that he came. His name is Jesus. He is the God-man. And now he prays for us because he is seated at the right hand of God as our high priest. In Hebrews 1 we read, Who being the brightness of his glory, that's talking about Jesus, and the express image of his person, that's God, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. There he is to make intercession for you and me. The one who prays for us is the sacrificed, resurrected, and ascended Jesus. He prays for us. If you are willing to come to him, he will pray for you too. Thanks, J. Mark, for this teaching on prayer. Today's title was, Who Will Pray for Us? When I heard this title, it made me think of another question. 
I had to wonder, who do I pray for? Who are the people we pray for regularly? Do you take the time to bring them before God and pray for them? Yes, I know this takes effort, but our time with God must be protected and fought for. Satan doesn't like to see you wake up early or stay up late so you can spend time with God. This is where our power lies, and Satan loves to see us get busy or distracted so we shorten our prayer time. I challenge you, don't let this happen. God tells us the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much, or it makes a big difference. If you're like me, it's a struggle against my flesh to keep my prayers fervent and effectual. When I'm praying is when I am tempted to think about so many other things, or I feel hungry or thirsty. The truth is, Satan doesn't care how he distracts us or keeps us from prayer. Anything will work, as long as our time with God is less. This is not an unusual struggle. It's a battle we are all in. So let's be good soldiers of Christ and defend our time with God. If you have any questions, or if you'd like a copy of today's teaching, here is how you can contact us. The best way is email. Our email is hope at heraldsofhope.org. If you don't have email, no problem. You could write to us. Our address is Hope for Today, Box 3, Breezewood, Pennsylvania, 15533. Or you can connect with us on our website. Our website is heraldsofhope.org. If you go to the Connect tab, you can message us directly. Again, the website is heraldsofhope.org. Thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to next week and hope you will join us again for more teaching from Exodus. I leave you with this verse from Hebrews. This reminds us where the source of our power comes from. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need.